Um, so I think it's important to clarify definitions of what you're talking about, clarify depth, clarify time frame for results, and certainly that real need for management oversight, whether the project is big or small. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Today, Rain's Executive Director of Safety and Security, Brian Lynch, gets a crash course on threat evaluation and integrating the intelligence and analytical process into business operations from Tony Kravitz of the Risk Confidence Group. Hello, Tony. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on today. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. Today, we're going to be discussing intelligence program development and refining as part of their criteria to assist organizations with decision-making, whether that's related to threat management, risks, or investigations as may be confronted by organizations from time to time. As you routinely say, Tony, there is an intelligence process. So let's start there. What do you mean by that? So, right, there's an intelligence process. I guess where I came to this, Brian, is I I think about businesses today, you know, where they are, they have to be pretty agile, you know, more so than ever. Um, Operational decisions and and shifts have to be made quickly in the volume of information and data available. You know, it can be overwhelming. So I think there's a process that, that I like to follow. I've seen it work. I use it in you know my business cases, investigations, consulting, and special projects. And it's really um, a structured analytical pro- process that uh, consists of four steps. Uh, requirements, um, in information gathering, and then you know analysis and documentation. Great, Tony. And, and I know as we move through the podcast, we'll get into each one of those in a little bit more detail. And and that four-step process will assist in investigations and uncover or identify findings as well, right? Right. The The system is developed um, to do exactly that. So, you know, like I said, with, with biz- the pace of business today and the combination of circumstances in the business environment, you know, I think there's been a recognition that there is a need for intelligence and analysis units. Mature corporations have them. Others are developing the units. And still other companies, I think, are trying to herd the information, right, from within the organization. And at some point, as companies grow, that becomes um, inefficient. Um, you know, one of the things I think about when I when I look at it, the Intel and analytical units, they really should support business operations and and that should include for example sales security you know within that the due diligence and compliance which falls often under legal and also support the decision or the strategic um, decision making so you know that sounds really straightforward but you and i both know the challenges Um, the most successful analytical units are those that are integrated so, you know, there's a lot to that, and I know you've got some experience in that area as well. Yes, yeah, so let's talk a little bit further along your four-step process, which is uh, really uh, spot-on relative to uh, ob- obtaining information and then making use of it. So, so let's start with uh, step one, which is the requirements. Can, we, can you define that for us? And that is not only for those organizations that, that might have a mature intelligence program, but also ones that are either developing to get to that maturity or are starting from scratch. 
Sure. So step one is the requirements. And really this is identifying a need or more um, straightforwardly, I would say, what are the questions you're trying to answer? So you're identifying, um, you know, you're really focused in because you think, oh my gosh, I need analysis. Well, what are you trying to answer? Because otherwise this can take, you know, it can take you in a lot of different directions. And that is one of, you know, those are some of the common hiccups that, um, you know, there's a lack of clarity of requirements, um, what questions need to be answered. And then, you know, that drives everything else is into a lack of understanding, things like that, and it can go astray. So I think that the requirements phase, phase number one, is really the foundation for making everything else work in the process. Yes, and as I've heard you say, you, you kind of start with the end, which is, you know, what what are the answers we're trying to get to, right? Right, you know, starting with the end in mind. The end in mind for any of this is you want a happy customer, whether it be uh, one of the business units or whether it be a client, um, you know, for consulting, investigation, what whatever. Uh, you want them to have the results they want. And so um, if you know what they want to do what with the information, I think you're going to be more successful. I look at it even in, if you're developing, you want somebody to learn, you want to develop either a training or a curriculum development, you say, what do you want them to do at the end? And in this case, we're saying, what what questions are you trying to answer? Because that's what the need is. Yes, absolutely, and and certainly makes sense. And so once uh, the organization decides on the what, then the second step in your process is the gathering. So can we talk? Can you talk a little bit about that process? Information gathering. So again, there is so much information out there, data available. Uh, it is overwhelming. So it really is: what information do we need? What do we already know? What don't we know is sometimes a harder question to answer. And where do we find the information? And so in this phase, um, you know, what is really important is to focus in on this information and then have a checkpoint, you know, following whether if your project is, you know, you need it in a couple of days or a couple of weeks that you build in an, an accountability step in there so that, um, you can determine what what initial patterns are starting to develop, trends are starting to develop. Have we developed any new information needs, you know, new requirements along the way so that you can manage the scope? This helps to manage the scope. One of the common hiccups, um, you know, within the analytical process is, is scope that analysts will go off and, you know, start researching. You get into social media, you get into online open source information research it can take you down you know a lengthy lengthy path and you may go out of scope so i think that's really important um, to, to not only identify where uh, what and where and who is going to do the gathering and then come back for that accountability step um, to, to, to main, make sure you're reining in and maintaining the scope of uh, what actually is necessary and needed yeah, I, I think those are, are really important points, um, the what, the who, and the where. And uh, what you're really doing is, is you're, you're matching the what with where am I gathering uh, this information? Am I matching the gathering process with what I'm trying to achieve? 
uh, and and you know the scope process and 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 narrowing the scope is critically important as you mentioned right because you can start to go down rabbit holes that are really not getting you to the end answer that you're that you're looking at now sometimes something is uncovered during the gathering phase that might change a little bit of what the what is correct exactly and that's where you know you're uncovering other trends you're uncovering an area of you know that is relevant that is of of that is new and of interest and i think this too in this accountability step is where you know there may be a, a discussion you want to have with the with the um, internal client you know um, for a status briefing and see maybe this is something that that where we want to go you know we didn't even know this was out there you're doing due diligence we didn't even know this information is out there but this now identifies a a new question and so we do want to go down this path and what you're doing by doing that is maintaining the scope you're expanding the scope but everybody knows you're expanding the scope everybody's on board and you're managing expectations for what kind of time additional time it's going to take and what other information is out there and going to be gathered but in the end i think once you move to that next phase which is the analysis phase the final analysis phase i think the end product the results are going to be you know you're going to have a satisfied customer and you're going to have satisfied the need absolutely and i think your point about scope and and not being afraid when it's appropriate to expand that scope really gets to the the um uh, comment of understanding all of the known knowns that are that might be out there that might influence uh the end product etc and influence the analysis which is the third step in your process so uh once the um information is gathered matching up the where with what are you trying to accomplish uh can you talk a little bit about your third step which is the analysis step so analysis is just that it is really bringing you know taking in all of that these pieces of information and data sets and giving it context you know what is relevant to the questions you need answered to your business to your business goals to your strategic decision making um and and it's important i think for analysis to um articulate i guess where the information was gathered from what was the purpose where was the information gathered from here were the findings and so here are some key judgments right and so um that leads to that fourth step and final step which is the documentation of your analysis um documentation is so important because it literally allows everybody to read from the sa- the same sheet of music if you will um because if you have it oral briefings are great i think that you know short oral briefings especially in this in the accountability step are really important but in the final it is documentation um because you do want a record if you want if you are going to go farther um in in your analysis and and information gathering you'll want a place to start from you'll want to know have something to compare it to maybe in a year or 3 years if this is a strategic effort um so having you know developing a suite of intelligence products that are briefing documents um to be distributed and read by um the executives your customers your your internal business unit clients um that is 
key to this process being successful. A absolutely critical point uh, about your fourth step, which is documentation that you make there. And, um, you know, properly providing the reporting on the analysis that's been done um, and paying attention to the nuances and the context uh, of that data. That's where organizations and the uh, propriety of, of some of these content pieces that are produced really uh, earn their pay. So you have an example of, of a nuanced context piece that might mean something to organization A, but it means much more to maybe organization B, depending upon what information you found. Yes, I'd like to first talk about a couple of common hiccups, and because I've seen this across, and I think in the examples, you know, that I'll talk about will make a lot more sense as I'm describing them. And so, you know, common hiccups in these is a lack of structure and, and not having a process. So one of the first um, consultations that I had, you know, after leaving the FBI, and, and I've got a, a simple example from there as well, was with a senior director at a, at a medium-sized financial organization, and, and they had oversight for the BSA and anti-money laundering and the analytical component, right, of the organization. So it supported both BSA, AML, and the other business units. But the gentleman said, he said, we have a group of smart people, uh, but we never seem to get what we're looking for. And one thing he said to me really stuck out, and he said that the analysts are going outside the scope of what is needed, and in doing so, their analytical results are incomplete or they're late, so the decisions can't be made without them. Um, and so, you know, the intelligence products essentially were inconsistent, that they had not settled on a consistent way of reporting, which is which is really what we were just talking about. So... Some other common hiccups, one is a lack of clarity in the requirements and what, what needs to be answered, um, a lack of understanding of the required time and research required to get good results, and that lack of understanding is a lot of times on the operational side. And then I think you see some lack of front-end communication. You see problems arise when there's a lack of front-end communication on both sides. Uh, so I think it's important to clarify definitions of what you're talking about, clarify depth, clarify time frame for results, and you know there is certainly that real need for um, for management oversight. Whether the project is big or small, you know you have to have um, that planning and direction and time frame that that you adhere to. A uh, couple quick stories. Um, one, you know, from the FBI, you know, we're trying to get our arms around human trafficking in the state of Florida. And the first meeting of investigators and analysis, or analysts, I'm sorry, um, you know, we learned their definition, their actual definition of human trafficking was different. Uh, investigators really focused it in on, you know, what fit the criminal statutes. And um, the analyst definition was much broader. So in that instance, both contributed to identifying where, you know, from where relevant information could be collected. They clarified the definition that they were both going to adhere, you know, go work from. And so in that case, there was learning on both ends. Uh, and so, you know, from that game, mutual understanding, relationships were built and respect was built um, in, in that instance. Yes, Tony, that's a great example of uh, setting both expectations 
uh, and being aligned on the on the same what are we trying to accomplish and and what is the end game let's move into uh, I know in your organization that you are the CEO of and founder of the risk confidence group LLC uh, I know that you get involved in uh, a number of investigative activities and can you talk a little bit about uh, the intelligence aspect of those investigations meaning how does intelligence play a part in in conducting those investigations and understanding exactly what happened and how does that help you get to that end which is what happened and who's accountable sure yeah i use so i use this process like i said in the beginning i use this process for for everything i do i really follow try to follow this process for both for the private investigations a consulting project or a special project you know first i listen to what the client you know is saying uh you know there's there's a lot in what is said and there's a lot in what is unsaid which i learned from being a a negotiator uh, but then I always say tell me the questions that you're trying to answer and it's and it's interesting because there's often a long pause because it's what it's doing it's it's focusing the client and um, and that so what leading from that question the discussion then then becomes an issue of you know developing the clarity and the scope for both me and the client and this obviously increases, you know, my efficiency and client satisfaction in the end. I don't know if you, if we have time for another example. Absolutely, please. Sure. I mean, I think we could talk, you know, for another hour. You know, certainly there's, um, there's the insider threat, which I think a lot of companies are, you know, thinking about and considering. And, um, you know, that being a new program, using this process to develop that program would be a step in the right direction, whether you have a small business and, you know, you think you have small risks uh, or you have a very large organization and, and, and big risks. And, you know, from small risks to very large risks that can damage um, irreparably the, the organization, this process will work for, for, company, for you. Uh, but another one of the examples that I would say from my um, business is, you know, I had a corporation that called, they had been in contentious discussions with, with a union, um, and it led to an unexpected walkout of thousands of employees. And essentially the company was blindsided. So had they engaged in a, this process of intelligence gathering while they were in these contentious discussions, then they would have seen this coming. In this particular case, my company was called in to help gather intelligence and, you know, determine what happened and why uh, in the aftermath. Um, but in this case, both before, during, and in the aftermath, there was a lot of chatter on social media. There were a lot of willing sources within the organization and within the union ranks of unhappy members where this had the um, the process been instituted, you know, asking, all right, what are our concerns? What are the possibilities here if these discussions go south? Um, and then how are we going to find out the information? How can we stay on top of it? That would have been extremely beneficial to the, uh, to the organization. Yeah, that's a very interesting example, uh, Tony. And from your experience in the Bureau and, and mine in the Bureau, I, I found that where there were issues really comes down to uh, a, a communication issue. 
Can you talk, and, and particularly with your background uh, being a, a negotiator, how the communication piece is so critical to this process? Sure. Yeah. I mean, communication structures is is one of my you know one of my passions. It's funny how you come full circle. I studied it in college. I became a a crisis negotiator, which made me a better interviewer, a better consultant, a better investigator, a better you know parent and wife. Um, you really learn. You really learn that there has to be you know in companies you have to have a process for communication, and and you have to examine that to make sure that all of the stakeholders who should have a voice or have relevant input, you're able to capture that voice. In the intelligence and analytical side, you know, in some of these examples and, and the example I gave about the human trafficking, um, trying to get our arms around the human trafficking in the state of Florida, you know, when you sit down and both groups are composed of really smart people, right? Really hardworking people. And this transcends the government to private industry. But when they're when they are using different direct different definitions, different um, you know they have different ways of thinking about something, and they don't discuss it and understand it and come to an agreement of you know how we're going to move forward, what actually is needed. Um, you know, there's going to be animosity and dissension, and so communication in anything, what is said, and sometimes what isn't said. Um, is extremely important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that point uh, anymore. It really comes down to the alignment of purpose is is critically important in any endeavor, uh, whether you're uh, running a two-person organization or a 2,000-person organization. You know, I hearken back to my uh, experience with uh in the private sector with the termination process and, and how important the, uh, the ability to convey and communicate issues and processes to folks when they are uh, emotional, under pressure, et cetera, is critical to a positive outcome. And to your point about insider threats, can you talk a little bit more about that Sure. So the insider threats, I mean, that is, um, you know, that is a concern certainly at the national security level. And we've seen a number of cases, you know, in the in the public domain over the last, you know, year and even several months. Um, but, you know, insider threat can can be very, very damaging um, to an organization. And, and there, like I said, it ranges from, you know, extreme damage that can, um, you know, be catastrophic for the organization to, you know, uh, minimal damage. You know, somebody's stealing, um, you know, $10 in merchandise, which you certainly don't want because that can grow. Um, but when you're thinking about the insider threat, I think those are the strategic, does it, the, if you're going to start a program like that, that following this process, the requirements process, you know, what um, what is the need? You know, what do we know? What are we trying to protect um, what is most important to us? Those are the questions that you have to start with, and um, and moving from there into you know what policies do we have that you know if violated would be extremely damaging. You know what employees have to adhere to these certain po- policies, and maybe that is 
Um, well, let's, let's just do an example. Let's say you have um, sales staff. Sales staff often have a lot of information. They have client lists, they have uh, maybe budget information, um, they travel. And so there's an inherent risk of you know, loss or theft or you know, sh improper sharing of information. So do you have policies in place that um, talk about how to, how to secure that information? Um, I know I talked to a salesperson that traveled overseas and they said, yeah, they travel and they get to their hotel room, they drop their laptop and everything and they head down to, you know, they head down to the bar or they head out to do some sightseeing before they have to join meetings the early the next morning. And I, I shudder because I think, oh my goodness, you know, it's wide open um, for someone to potentially steal that information and, and it's not very difficult. So things like that, what is the policy when someone is on travel for securing information? Are they required to use a VPN? How do you know they're adhering to it? Um, you know, there are other indicators, you know, what are the indicators then of an insider threat that would show in your company that would indicate that they are involved in something that could potentially damage, whether it's, whether they know it or they don't know it. But having a process, identifying an insider, what the insider threat looks like for you in your organization, and then having a you know a process of, of checks, maybe spot checks, of adherence to policy and employee actions is something that, that companies need to consider if they don't already have it in place. Good points. I, I'd like to end today's podcast talking at the end about training and um, how important that is for firms, what the topic might be for a particular firm who has an interest in uh, either insider threat or uh, protecting the safety and security of their uh, employees, which is typically the number one priority uh, for global security departments. Uh, I know that you have uh, uh, strong capabilities around the development and execution of modules, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about training, Tony? Training can span the gamut. Um, you know, I, I th again, you have to say, what do we want the employee to do at the end of this training? Do you want them to just understand um, concepts? Do you want them to be able to explain it? Right? Do you want them to just have knowledge? Do you want them to understand such that they can explain it to someone else? Um, do you want them to be able to, to um, you know, apply the concepts? Do you want them to be able to apply and evaluate? There's a, there's a taxonomy of learning, um, you know, that has nine or ten steps, and it changes every few years. But, you know, essentially, if you just say there's nine steps, your curriculum has to, to build you know, if you want them just to understand, maybe you can do a one-hour training, you know, information session. And, and we saw a lot of that during, you know, for workplace violence. And you'll have maybe a, an annual on cyber or insider threat, which, you know, there's a piece of cyber, which is insider threat as well. But when you want somebody to do more than just understand and you want them to act, you want them to apply, uh, it's going to take, you know, more depth of content and typically more time. Well, thanks, Tony, for visiting with us today and being on the podcast. And uh, for our listeners, we've, we've heard Tony go over her process of requirements, information gathering, analysis, and documentation, which can be applied to a number of different disciplines. Tony, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Brian. It was a pleasure. Take care. 
Brian Lynch is Executive Director of Safety and Security at RAIN. Tony Kravitz has more than 20 years planning and executing risk mitigation, security, investigative intelligence, crisis response, and other security-related strategies. She shares her depth of knowledge at the Risk Confidence Group. You can find more about that at RAINnetwork.com. RAIN is a risk intelligence company that provides access to critical insights, analysis, and support to ensure business continuity and resiliency for our members. We offer custom risk monitoring, including tools to efficiently screen and analyze emerging risks for your business. Find out how RAIN can help your business successfully identify and mitigate threats. Visit RAINnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E-Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.